would look with me in your Bible to the book of Isaiah, to chapter 63. Isaiah in chapter 63. I'd like for us to read verses 1 through verse 6. Isaiah 63, verse 1. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah? This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength, I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel and thy garments, like him that treadeth in the winefat? I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me. For I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury. Their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. For the day of vengeance is in my heart. The year of my redeemed is come. And I looked, and there was none to help. And I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore mine own arm brought salvation unto me, and my fury it upheld me. I will tread down the people in mine anger, and make them drunk in my fury, and I will bring down their strength to the earth. This passage of Scripture has many different applications, many ways it could be understood, and maybe you'll Note them as we go along. I could not help but think as we were singing, tell me the story of Jesus. I could not help but think of when Janice and I would be in Thailand, up in the mountains, and we would spend what time that we could just looking at the mountains. They just amazed us, their beauty, their height, it seemed like their strength. And traveling to back back and forth, and while we were in villages, when we could, we just looked at the mountains. But we noticed that the villagers in the mountains didn't do that. They didn't say it seemed to pay them any attention at all. They were just used to them being there, just a part of their life. But we stood in awe of the beauty of the mountains. I could not help but think, I hope we here at Central Baptist Church never get like those villagers as it concerns Jesus and the gospel. I hope we never hear it so much. We just take it for granted as those people do the mountains. May it always be fresh unto us, new unto us, over and over again, we meet and focus our attention upon Jesus. I pray that we never get tired of that or take it for granted. Our text is a prophetic text concerning Jesus. And again, there are several applications that could be made I hope that as we look at this, you will note them as we go along. But you could not help but, as you read this, think of Jesus. 
what he has done. I notice his words in verse 3, I have trodden the winepress alone. Speaking of Jesus. Many times in the Old Testament we have words of Jesus. Many years before he was ever born in Bethlehem, Jesus speaks to us in the Old Testament, and I think we have it here in this case. Another one that I was thinking of, I'm going to turn to Zechariah. In the book of Zechariah, and in chapter 12, and in verse 10, other words of Jesus, again, there's so many of them in the Old Testament, but these stood out to me in Zechariah chapter 12 and in verse 10. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication. Notice the next words. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced be none other than Jesus. In our text, Jesus is speaking of his effectual work on our behalf. He's speaking in Isaiah 53, even I'll say again before he was born in the flesh, he is speaking and looking forward to what he would do, and he speaks of it even as it's already accomplished. In verse 3 again of Isaiah 63, I have trodden the winepress alone, even though when it was not yet done. We have in this text figurative language of Jesus dealing with certainly his enemies, Jesus dealing with our sins and the penalty of our sins, and he speaks of the winepress in verse 3. And there's much said in the scripture about the winepress. I'm going to read this again. And notice the imagery that's in Isaiah 63, verses 1 through verse 6. And I'm sure there are others here. But he speaks of his enemies even as grapes that he would trod in the winepress. He would smash them, crush them even as grapes. But he also deals with our sins in this same manner. Verse 1 of our reading, Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah, this that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. There's the answer to the question. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Another question. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel, and thy garments like him that treadeth the wine fret? You have his answer in verse 3. I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me. For I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury. Their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. For the day of vengeance is in my heart, 
And the year of my redeemed is come. And he also said, and I looked, and there was none to help. I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore mine own arm brought salvation unto me, and my fury it upheld in me. When we speak of this wine press and the judgment of God, the wine press often in Scripture represents the the vengeance of God, the fury of God, and the, the wrath of God. Keep in mind, if you would, the words of verse 3, where Jesus said, I have trodden the winepress alone. Notice something about the winepress, if you would, in Revelation and in chapter 14. In Revelation and in chapter 14, I'll read verse 18 through verse 20 and then read from Revelation 19. But think about the wine press and how this is used in Scripture. Revelation 14 and in verse 18, And another angel came out from the altar which had power over fire and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and the blood came out of the winepress, even under the horse bridle, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. Go to chapter 19, if you would. In Revelation chapter 19, here I'll begin in verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. The armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, and white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he shall smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Just two examples of how the winepress is used in Scripture expressing what is mentioned here, the, the wrath of God, the, the fierceness and the wrath, even the indignation of God. Again, try to let your minds focus upon the, the wine press into that great vast vat, the wine press. You'll find your sins. 
those sins which would have damned you for all of eternity. But Jesus treads the winepress. He crushes them under his feet. As he does this, and again you have to get the imagery of the winepress, the treader of the winepress, crushing the grapes up under his feet, even as he does his enemies, he so does our sins. And as he does this, his heel is bruised and his sweat is as drops of blood. An awful and a great work must be done on behalf of God's people. And Jesus does it. In our text, he does it alone. Finally, he will say, I have trodden the winepress. At Golgotha, he will say, it is finished, it is done. He has accomplished that great work. Back in Isaiah 63, we ought to get a glimpse here of blood redemption. As we read about the stained garments, we ought to get a glimpse of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The garments of those who would tread the grapes were naturally stained with the blood of the grapes. Even so, Jesus. His body covered with his own blood as he did tread the winepress of the wrath of God. Notice again verse 2, the question, Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine, the wine fat? And the answer was, I have trodden the winepress. Think of Jesus in Gethsemane. The sweat of blood. Think of the awful beatings and the scourging that he endured. His bodily mutilated by the scourging and the blood that must have been flowing over all of his body. The crown of thorns which would have produced the blood flowing down from his head. And then the nails as he is nailed to the tree. There's no doubt in my mind that Jesus was covered from head to toe in blood as he suffered and died for our sins. In Isaiah 63 and in verse 2, there is the question, and we know the answer. The question, wherefore art thou red in thine apparel and thy garments? Where did that come from? It's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has trodden the wine press and be assured it was a, a bloody affair. I do not like Hollywood's portrayal of Jesus in any way at all. But I'll tell you this, it was a bloody affair. He was a bloody person when he died. It was not like the pictures and images you see today of Jesus just calmly hanging there upon the cross. It was a bloody affair when Jesus Christ gave his life for our sins. 
your sins, cast into this winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And where do you find Jesus? Where do you find Jesus? There he is suffering for our sins. He entered into this winepress of the wrath of God to pay our sin debt to put away the penalty of sin, to satisfy divine justice on our behalf. Let me point something out to you again in Revelation chapter 14. In Revelation and in chapter 14, we'll read this time verse 9 and verse 10. You'll get a glimpse here of what Jesus Christ has suffered for us and on our behalf. Revelation chapter 14 and in verse 9. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. I want you to notice, just notice the cup. We deal with the wine press. Verse 10 speaks of the wine of the wrath of God. It's poured out without mixture. It is not diluted. Jesus suffered for our sins at Golgotha. God Almighty and divine justice did not weaken nor dilute the penalty for sin is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. Go with me to Revelation chapter 16. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Revelation and in chapter 16, here I'll read verse 19. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came into remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Again, notice the cup. All scripture inspired of God. Being told about this cup, is by inspiration of God. Keeping that in mind, go with me to the book of Matthew and in chapter 26. Matthew and in chapter 26, Jesus had partaken of the Passover meal. Following that, he institutes the Lord's Supper. And in Matthew chapter 26 and in verse 27, it says he took the cup. There's more there than just as simple, easy reading will let you know. There's more in these words, he took the cup, than many realize. Think about the symbolism of the supper and the elements and the Bible tells us he took the cup. I realize the primary meaning is there 
at that meeting in the upper room, he took the cup and the contents of the cup and told of the symbolism of the contents of the cup. I believe the, the meaning goes even beyond that. As he suffered and died for our sins, he took the cup of the wrath of God on our behalf. He took it voluntarily. No one forced it upon him. He was obligated by the determinate counsel of God, but he could have called more than ten legions of angels. But he did not. He took the cup of the wine of the wrath of God. He took voluntarily into himself and upon himself the wrath of God, the penalty of sin that you and I would have endured for eternity. He took the cup. Every time we have the Lord's Supper and I read those words, my mind immediately goes beyond the upper room. It goes to Golgotha. It goes to three hours of darkness. When God shut out the earth in darkness and there was a, a private, concealed transaction between the Father and the Son, as the Son did satisfy divine justice, he took the cup. He suffered the wrath of God on our behalf. Look back to Isaiah chapter 63 again, and I've mentioned this a couple of times already. You'll notice in verse 3 he said, I have trodden the winepress alone. I've trodden the winepress alone. In Jesus Christ's sacrificial work on our behalf and again paying the wages of our sins, he was all alone in this work. This was a work not for God the Father, not for God the Holy Spirit, not for any of the holy angels, this was a work for Jesus and Jesus alone. He said, I have trodden the winepress alone. I've trodden it alone. No one can share in Jesus' work of the redemption of his people. Therefore, no one can share in his glory and in his honor and in his praise. He said, I have trodden the winepress alone. Hold your place if you would. Go with me to Psalm 22, which tells us so much about the suffering and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. I won't read all of Psalm 22, but surely you know the wording here has to be about Jesus and his suffering. It could be of no one else. Now look at verse 11. He says, Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. 
there is none to help. If you look back to Isaiah chapter 63, if you notice in verse 5, he said, I looked and there was none to help. God the Father had forsaken him. All of his disciples had forsaken him and fled, and he did tread the winepress alone. Verse 3 of our text, I have trodden the winepress alone. I like it when we sing that hymn, Jesus, Jesus paid it all. Did not have any help. Other times during his life, the angels would come and minister unto him in that terrible time of temptation when it was finally ended. The angels came and strengthened him, but as he hung there upon the tree, there was none to help. There was none to help. Because in our text he could say in verse 3, I have trodden the winepress alone. He has suffered the wrath of God on our behalf. You and I can be assured there is no winepress for us. Because Jesus has done it on our behalf. There is no cup for us to take. There is no cup of the wrath and vengeance of Almighty God for those for whom Jesus Christ died because he took the cup in our place. Substitution is real. Jesus is the Savior. In this life, we might suffer, and we do, we might endure the chastening of God, and we do. But we will never in this lifetime nor in eternity suffer the vengeance and wrath of Almighty God because Jesus has trodden the winepress. A just and a holy God cannot and will not demand that we suffer what Jesus Christ has already suffered. A holy God cannot do that. This text, again, there are many applications concerning the enemies of God, but I focus upon our sins and upon our Savior. The question in verse 2 of our text, Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine fat. They say, you look like one that's been in the wine fat. And he said, I have. I have. He said, I have trodden the wine press, and I did it alone. I looked, and there was none to help. I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore, mine own arm brought salvation unto me. Jesus. And Jesus alone is our Savior. Blood redemption runs throughout this Bible over and over again. 
what he has done for those whom the Father has given him is beyond our knowledge and our understanding. And I don't think in time nor in eternity we'll ever know what Jesus has done on our behalf when he paid it all. Brother Royce, come and lead.